This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, June 16th, 2023. This is 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm Kyle Kellums. I am connected by phone with Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics. He's in his office in Fort Smith. Happy Friday, Michael. Good Friday to you as well. All right, let's start with... um, Something that we teased last week and has now come to fruition, and that's the revival of the Compass Report from Talk Business and UAFS. Yes, um, fortunately, we're we're back in the saddle, so to speak. We had to end this Compass Report uh, in 2017, uh, but um, we're we're working with the University of Arkansas at Fort Smith, uh, specifically with Kendall Ross and his group at the, um, uh, the University's Center for Economic Development. We're pulling a lot of the data, the narrative, that kind of thing. Greg Kaza, who's an economist and uh, executive director of the Arkansas Policy Foundation, Little Rock, is providing some you know economic analysis to the numbers uh, for us. And the reason we're doing this, and the reason we launched it back in 2012, um, you know, we we were seeing a lot of uh, broader regional reports about the economy. You know, the Saint, the Federal Reserve had reports, but we weren't seeing any analysis on the metro areas and kind of drilling down on the state. And so we did this, and we had some good good feedback, a lot of feedback, and we had some feedback now that we're starting again from folks, especially some of these smaller business owners who don't have the time or resources to really, you know, stop and look at what's going on in the economic world around them. So that's, that is kind of our primary goal with that, with, uh, for the report for us. Um, and so this first report, which we again posted earlier this week, looks at the first quarter of 2023. Um, and it shows a pretty healthy, a pretty robust, that's the term Kendall, uh, Mr. Ross used, quite a bit. Um, for example, the central Arkansas metro economy received the B plus. Now the grading system is, it measures uh, where you were compared to the same quarter last year. So a B plus, that's a pretty good grade. I mean, that means you're doing well. A C would mean you're pretty much stayed the same mm-hmm. as where you were. So central Arkansas comes in with a B plus, the Smith Metro with an A, Jonesboro Metro with a B and Northwest Arkansas, of course, with an A. If there was a grade better than A, <laughs> Northwest Arkansas would have received it, but um, it received an A. And what we saw um, in central Arkansas, well, really in all the metro areas, um, was positive employment growth, good job growth. Um, one of the reasons that the central Arkansas really didn't get an A is they had a, and it could be a one-time thing. We're going obviously we're going to be watching it, but. There's a significant decline in their building permits um, in uh, in the sector in the um, metro area during the quarter. Uh, who knows why that is? I mean, they had a, a a big bulk of permits last year in the first quarter, but uh, that's one of the things that pulled it down. Um, the Jonesboro Metro also uh, had a significant decline in building permits, so we'll. You know, as we go forward and measure it, we'll see how that cycles out. But um, good report on all of the metro areas. Um, when we provided the data to Greg Kaza, he had an interesting take on it. He called it the yes, but economic expansion. Meaning? You know, yes, 
job growth is there and you're earning A's and A pluses, but um, how long does this last? Uh, you know, yes, uh, Fayetteville's at a, the, the Northwest Arkansas is at a, you know, credible 2% jobless rate, but um, he was saying it, it doesn't feel really like a normal good times expansion because you've got inflation, you kind of got this overhanging threat of a recession, uh, and then you've got, you know, this aggressive Fed rate, high, Fed rate hikes, which, of course, we all know the Fed paused um, Wednesday and did not um, increase the rate anymore, and hopefully that'll be a, that pause will be for a while. Um, and I'm also one of those folks, maybe I'm too much of an optimist, uh, but this recession seems like every every month they say, well, the recession is going to be next quarter. And then they're like, well, no, the recession is going to be the quarter. They keep pushing this so-called recession out. Maybe it will hit, but I think it'll be pretty mild. But anyway, the data is there. We all, we provide a link to the, all the raw data. We provide a link to the detailed narrative that's provided. So um, it's, it's all out there and hopefully it will be of value to folks uh, who kind of, want to know a little bit more of a detailed look about the world around them. The first iteration of the Compass Report predates, you know, the beginning of our weekly conversations. So we haven't talked about them all, but I don't recall when we were talking about them every quarter, Michael, both Northwest Arkansas and the Fort Smith Metro receiving A's in the same report. I mean, maybe it has happened, but I don't recall that. Well, yeah, you're right. It was rare, and I'd have to go back and look. But, I mean, there was a time, of course— um, you know, when we first launched this, you know, it was the force of Metro was still, you know, feeling the effects of Whirlpool closing its plant down and all the suppliers leaving the Metro area. So, you know, the Metro area, force the Metro area for some quarters had C's and, you know, it was not, did not look good, but, um, yeah, maybe, maybe this is a good trend. Maybe we got started at the right time and we'll see a good trend. If we were handing out grades for money devoted to a foreign military pilot training center, perhaps the one that's going to develop in Fort Smith would receive an A because uh, this week legislation for more than $75 million to help get this off <laughs> off the ground. Well, yeah, it, it'll get an A for just having a big number beside mm-hmm. it. But let's keep in mind the estimate that mm. we've been given it's not official just some some of the sources we've talked to who are pretty close to the situation who we trust have a good feel for it the the rent the, the full cost to create a fully operational pilot training center will range between 700 million and 800 million so this 75.5 million that is just part of a bill that came out of a house the u.s uh house appropriations committee of which congressman Steve Womack is a member, um, you know, that has to go through the house and then the Senate will pass a similar bill in the Senate. In the Senate version of this bill, uh, Senator Bozeman has uh, $83 million. So depending on which one passes, they'll have to conference that and see which what the number is. So it could be 75.5 or $83 million. And that's just for the fiscal year that ends next uh, September, September 2024. But ideally, this money will be used because, Kyle, from the conversations I've had with folks, before they can even begin to break ground to build facilities to bring in 
um, the planes, there's a lot of design and planning work. You know, where do you build them? How do you build them? Uh, you know, the size. There's just so much planning and design work. And I think, um, I, or I, I would estimate a lot of this initial money, the $75.5 million or $83 million, uh, will go toward that. But if, you know, this is a pretty aggressive timeline, Kyle, to get these F-35s and these F-16s in here. And if they're really going to be getting them in sometime late next year or in 2025, there's going to have to be a lot of stuff come out of the ground really fast. All right, I'm going to change my grade from an A to an incomplete. How's that? Pending. Right. Right. We're we're only we're not even to the to the midterms yet. Um, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned earlier this week uh, the Fed announced it wasn't going to raise interest rates right now, but if you compare interest rates to two years ago, they are up, and it looks like that may have had some effect on home sales in the Fort Smith Metro. Yeah, in the Fort Smith Metro, well, nationwide, but we're you know, we can measure here in the Fort Smith Metro that uh, during the first quarter, January through March, uh, the number of home sales in the Metro were down a little over 20%, and the sales value of those homes were down a little over 23%. I do want to stress that that 2021, the, the year we're comparing, excuse me, um, yeah, the, the year we're comparing to, uh, they were significantly higher. It was, in fact, they're a record. So we're up against a record comparisons. Um, but it still is a, you know, from the realtors that I talk to, it's just a reflection of our interest rates, you know, Freddie Mac, you know, the rates are around 30 year fixed mortgage rates are just below 7%, you know, between six and a half and 7%. And, you know, in this time in 2021, they were under 3%. So they're more than double the interest rate. And I don't have to explain to your listeners, uh, what that does to a monthly mortgage payment. So it's just caused a lot of people to kind of stop, um, continue to rent or, you know, to do something other than buy a home right now. Even if they want to, sometimes they just can't afford it uh, because that, that monthly rate just pushes them out of, of, of a home they want to buy. So that is a big part of it. There's also, we're hearing still a little bit of a lack of uh, housing. There's a, a, there's a, a supply issue. So I don't know how much of that um, is a part of it, but, um, like in the metro, in the Fort Smith metro, there were 723 homes sold in the first quarter. Like I said, that's down well below the 910 for the same period in 2022. Uh, and the value of those homes sold was about 147.5 million. That was down over 23%. So, um, it's, it's a decline, but again, it's a decline from some record numbers in the past two years, some pretty robust activity. Um, and I'm sure that realtors are hoping at one point realtors were kind of hoping for a little, a little bit of slowdown so they could catch their breath. I doubt they were wanting this much of a slowdown. We'll see what the pause, the interest rate pause, how long that is and what that does to um, bring, bring credit, uh, bring credit costs down and maybe, uh, you know, get the market going again. All right. You can read about all of this and much more at talkbusiness.net. Great news, Michael. When we talk next Friday, full-blown summer. Yeah, well, that's. I'm glad folks like you. I'm glad there are folks out there like you that appreciate summer. Us, us, us fat boys aren't so happy about it. <laughs> well, just look at it this way. It's just a few days closer to college football season. 
Well, we can do that. That makes it that makes it uh, a little bit of uh, sugar helps the medicine go down. There right? you go, Michael Tilly. As always, thank you for your time. You're welcome. Later this hour, a song that became a rallying cry after the Women's March on Washington, the women who wrote the song, and the documentary screen tonight in Bentonville about what happened after the song. You know, there was a question of, like, who, who's going to tell these stories? And, and they, think, they think the answer is that we are. A preview of the short documentary, I Can't Keep Quiet, showing tonight at the Bentonville Film Festival. That's ahead this hour. The Fayetteville Farmer's Market celebrates its 50th anniversary Saturday, June 17th on the square at the Fayetteville Town Center Plaza. The event includes a 10 a.m. cooking demonstration and 11 a.m. celebration including market history, photos, and treats. More information at FayettevilleFarmersMarket.org. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art presents Diego Rivera's America, the first major exhibition focused solely on the Mexican artist in over 20 years. It features his works, digital projections of his murals, and three major paintings by Frida Kahlo. On view now through July 31st. Tickets at crystalbridges.org. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. Yesterday, Fayetteville Public Schools cut the ribbon on the new John L. Colbert Middle School. Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth has the details. This August, approximately 450 students will enter the new John L. Colbert Middle School on the west side of Fayetteville. Yesterday, school board members, staff, and city officials officially opened the school named for the former superintendent, John Colbert, who also spoke at the ceremony. On May the 21st, 1954, the Board of Education of the Fayetteville Public Schools voted unanimously to integrate Fayetteville Public Schools without any incident. And today, actually on May the 26th, 22, this board decided to name the new middle school in honor of John L. Colbert. Six to nine years ago after the integration, that board member made history so did you all to elect this African-American to put his name upon this building. I salute you all. Thank you very much for all that you do. I appreciate it. Colbert, who retired in 2022, was the first black person to serve as principal or superintendent of the district. The new principal of the middle school is Warren Collier, the former associate principal of Fayetteville High School. Seriously, Dr. Colbert, your work has paved the way for the next generation of educators in our district, and your impact is evident by the crowd here today. It is an honor and privilege to stand before you today as the first principal of this beautiful school named in honor of Dr. John L. Colbert. Construction on the 100,000-square-foot, two-story facility began last fall. Nika Waitsman is president of Fayetteville Public Schools Board of Education. She says the $33 million new building was a necessity for the fast-growing district. Um, it will be taking the middle school students from Owl Creek um, over here so that we can make Owl Creek just an elementary school. It has been a combined middle and elementary for ever since it opened, but it was at capacity. And so for now, the kids are just coming straight from Owl Creek, but we're going to be drawing some different lines to include some other middle school students here as well. 
She says the new facility has a capacity of 800 students. Also at the ribbon cutting yesterday, Collier unveiled the new school's colors and mascot, the black and gold Cobras. Cobras. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Daniel Carruth. Let's give it up for our students. The staff of Mount Sequoia Center in Fayetteville, an independent nonprofit, plans to transform the historic site. In March, they submitted an application and notification of intent to the city of Fayetteville to rezone 27 acres from P1 Institutional to a PZD, or Planned Zoning District, which would allow for commercial development. This week, Mount Sequoia Center President and CEO Emily Gentry hosted a second neighborhood meeting to review a second set of draft plans. So, Mount Sequoia is a sanctuary nestled in Fayetteville. It evolves to cater to the dynamic needs of the community. Achieving this requires flexibility in adapting programs, infrastructure, and usage while preserving the cherished character that defines this urban haven. Mount Sequoia, a former Methodist retreat center, currently offers a limited number of short and long-term lodging, studio and event space rentals, as well as recreation facilities and staff offices across 42 structures. A fitness center and art gallery also lease space. The current operating budget is $1.8 million, generated by rentals and grants. But Gentry says that's not enough to sustain operations of the century-old facility. She says additional income could be generated if the property is rezoned to allow for new commercial development. Draft site plans show 65 additional long-term rentals and 60 more short-term rentals, 30 more studio spaces, a cafe and restaurant, food truck space, entertainment sites, and expanded recreation. Green space is also included. Some neighbors, including Kevin Rosger, are concerned about heavy construction, nuisance traffic, and noise. There can be growth, and we all want your success, but this is massive. So there isn't this false binary of this or Mount Sequoia crumbles. That's false. Outside of the meeting, Mount Sequoia board member Chris Barabo, an architect with Moda Studio who drafted the rezoning plans, said city codes provide little choice. In between that first neighborhood meeting where many people spoke up and said there's a different way to get there, Emily and others reached back out to the city again to find out what that was and there was no path opened up to us other than to do this or to attempt a straight rezone into one of the other cities already existing rezones, which no single one fits what the mission and goals and the functions of Mount Sequoia are. So again, we were pushed towards the PZD where we had the ability to write in exactly what we're doing and trying to do. Jesse Masters, Fayetteville planner in charge of the project, says if rezoned, Mount Sequoia would have the flexibility to expand income generating infrastructure slowly over time. In an email, Emily Gentry says staff and board members plan to meet with city planners by June 26th in order to get the rezoning request on the July 24th planning commission agenda. Tyson Foods is donating meat products to residents in need tomorrow at its headquarters in Springdale in honor of Juneteenth. It is Tyson's second community donation this month. Earlier in June, the company gave out 40,000 pounds of chicken to families in northwest Arkansas. Richard Ryan works for Tyson and heads the Veterans Business Resource Group, which put together the event for Memorial Day. Inflation's going on and, and, and uh, it's hitting everybody in the pocketbook. And so this is one way we can help to relieve that in our community, is by giving the protein out to the community. Uh, not only that, but it's, you know, uh, we're doing this event in honor of those that had fallen. And, and you know, it's gonna help our community, help those that need the food to put food on their table. 
uh, and that's always a great thing. Volunteers handed out the bulk of the donation at Charlie and Willie George Park in Springdale in early June. Melissa Williams, communications director for Tyson Foods, says the remaining food was taken to the Northwest Arkansas Food Bank. Yes, yeah, so we pretty continuously give to the Northwest Arkansas Food Bank, and those folks are out here too. We like to support them. Um, I think last year we gave about a million pounds of protein to the Northwest Arkansas Food Bank. So anybody is eligible to come. You just have to drive up in your car, and we have um, volunteers here who will just place it in your car. Um, but we like to do these throughout the year. We don't have any particularly scheduled right now, um, but they will pop up. Um, no questions asked. I think, you know, just pull up and pop your trunk and we'll put some chicken in there. She says tomorrow volunteers will give out chicken and beef products as well as Wright's bacon. The drive through donation is tomorrow from 8 until 11 a.m. at the headquarters on Don Tyson Parkway in Springdale. In the background is Herbie Hancock from the Blue Note recording, and I'm Robert Ginsburg, your host for Shades of Jazz. On this week's edition of the show, we'll hear more from Herbie Hancock, as well as Joe Henderson, Duke Ellington, Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, Miles Davis, and much more. Tune into Shades of Jazz right here on KUAF every Friday and Saturday. Shades of Jazz tonight at 10 on 91.3 KUAF. Tomorrow from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. on KUAF 3. You can listen to KUAF 3 on your HD radio by streaming the station at KUAF.com or by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF 3. Benville Film Festival is continuing, and tonight a movie with its origins in this song is screening. Put on your face, know your place. Shut up and smile, don't spread your legs. I could do that, but no one knows me. The song Quiet became a sensation after Connie Lim, who performs professionally as Milk, performed with other women during the March on Washington in January 2017. The documentary I Can't Keep Quiet explores what happened after the song went viral, a friendship became estranged, a reconciliation, and pandemic. It's a lot to cover in 27 minutes. The film screens tonight at the Meteor Guitar Gallery in Bentonville. Yesterday, by Zoom, I talked with Connie Lim and the director of I Can't Keep Quiet, Yuri Chung. I asked Yuri what led her to make the movie. The precipitating event was the five-year anniversary of the Women's March. That was sort of like the impetus to start thinking about, oh, the five-year anniversary is coming up. Like maybe we should do something to talk about this and, you know, Connie's experience. Um, but the, I think, Connie, you can speak to this, is that you met Grace Lee, who is one of our executive producers, um, on a panel during the pandemic while this five-year anniversary idea was like germinating and it was sort of like oh is there something here that we can invest in and like really um, make a nice piece about the film sorry that became the film um, I think that's that's kind of how the idea started and it was it was really trying to I think corral Asian American women um, creators to get this film made. 
Yeah, the what something that a lot of people don't know is that um, both the visual and the sonics that came from the Women's March um, that were viral movements. They weren't like designed into the into the Women's March, but they just kind of emerged um, from that from social media. Uh, were both founded by Asian American women. So, actually, the other woman is my friend. Her name's Krista. Uh, we actually knew each other before both of our movements went viral. So it's like a really interesting thing and um you know there was a question of like who who's gonna tell these stories and and they think i think the answer is that we are um and and so grace lee was someone that i met during a panel in during the pandemic um we were doing like a diversity and inclusion event um on zoom and i reached out to her to get advice um on how i could how I could like initiate the process of um, exploring if there if there is a story, um, and then you know the process with with Grace and, and Yuri working together, Yuri just like first started off as as producer and then eventually emerged as a director as the process of the whole film started blossoming. We realized that it's so much more than a five minute five year anniversary. Um, branded piece of content. It was a deeper story about so many different things like sisterhood, compassion, forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others. Yes. I mean, when you, you know, you, you zoom back and you think this amazing march that takes place in Washington, this amazingly politicized time in our country's history, you also then have the pandemic. So they're all, and as you mentioned, sisterhood and reconciliation and forgiveness, all these big issues that could, if you're not careful, kind of swamp a project. And you do a very good job of getting those big pictures in there, but keeping this incredibly personable and and relatable. And you're I'm wondering, was that a conversation that you kind of had to have with yourself and with your with your team? Well, full credit to Connie for being truly vulnerable and like really I think it I think it was a difficult process to be like, how much do I want to bear open these flaws that I've identified in myself and how much do I want to bear open like just like this internal process? And from my part, it was it was challenging because it is a film which is a visual medium and we're we're really trying to document a person's internal journey, like their emotional journey, their their personal journeys and um not just in her career, but you know her her intimate relationships with her co-writer, and um, you know wrestling with herself these major life events and decisions that are happening at her and with her and through her. So, yeah, I think I think it was a struggle that we I felt very compelled that we had to honor that honesty that came from Connie and. You know, it it was hard to balance. You know, how much to include, how much not to include. Have we gone too far? Are are we talking about some of these racial movements and these personal revelations in a way that is relatable and doesn't feel like kind of didactic or, you know, um, like prescriptive <laughs> or you know, just some. And I think that keeping it personal and is what made it more relatable. I think if we try to become polemic or, um, you know, we never wanted to come off as preachy. And I think that was just something that was very important 
to the story. So that as soon as we felt like, oh, like, are we including too much outside context? Are we, are, you know, like, what is the balance here to understand that the time or remind us of that time that we were all in, but also to be able to see it through an individual, I think allows us the permission to um, ask ourselves similar questions and also like be able to identify some of our own flaws without feeling like embarrassed or, you know, like not to not, to try to do it in a way where we're not like, just like worried about whether or not we're going to be shamed for it. Um, and I think that that really came out of Connie's ability to articulate and be very open about her journey and process. The trust that's involved in a film like this uh, has to be has to be immense and intense. Connie, you're you're, you're nodding. Yeah, I'm nodding. Um, I think that I think when the Women's March happened in 2017, and when the election happened in 2016, I I made a decision to counter the guardedness and the affronts that I saw on television. I just saw a lot of public figures guarding a lot of their fear with these political and economic games that they play in order to feel secure. And I, I thought the, the best way I can immediately be an antidote to the issue that I'm seeing on television is to just become more of what I want to see in the world. And so the vulnerability is, uh, I'm, I'm so glad that Yuri like saw that and honored the vulnerability because that is really my mission is to continue to practice vulnerability and show people like, hey, like, you know, this woman, me, can can admit these mistakes that she made in a documentary and on the other side of it could be something very devastatingly beautiful, um, very like rich and potent and there's there's like life on the other side of of admitting one's wrongdoings um and i think our culture could use more of that sometimes um from my own humble opinion so i just wanted to do that and be that i mean i i think about i see you as an inspirational person and and and, and it's manifested in a couple different ways because quiet and the Women's March, there was this sort of anthemic, you know, sort of rise up sort of inspiration. But then you talk about the vulnerability, and that's something that's much, sorry, quieter and, and, and really has to um, perhaps take a little bit more incubation for a person. And, and is that kind of how you felt like, on one hand, there is this gathering of choirs that can be strong, but sometimes reconciliation and, and vulnerability has to be a very personal, at least in the beginning, sort of journey. Absolutely. That's really well said. I joke with, I joke sometimes saying like, you know, the song is I can't keep quiet, but sometimes I will keep quiet because I do <laughs> reflect. I do, I do want to like listen. Um, and I do, I do find that in silences and in like my own time of my own well-being, um, of healing, I become a better person externally. I I know the limitations 
that are within me if I don't heal my own wounds, um, insecurities or traumas from the past, if I don't address those with care, of course, I can't really be the leader that I want to be um, because those wounds come out in weird ways and, and don't. Yeah. And, and so when I heal and when I work on myself, I feel like I'm just better to others around me. And right now it's really critical to know as a woman in the phase I'm at, my interest is really learning how to work with others and be a leader and to listen and also to follow. So yeah, I love, I love what you just brought up. Finally, this is a, a, a production that is all women. And maybe if we all reconvene in 15 years, we won't have to mention that because it'll be normalized and that won't be something that you have to put in the press packet. But for now, it is still unusual. And I wonder what, how, what that experience is like, just being able to put that sentence in a press release or be able to tell someone that, yeah, this was a completely 100% women-driven project. It's a big deal. Like, I mean, to put it mildly, I, it just, um, I've worked primarily, the content I've worked on primarily is Asian American uh, documentaries, but um, I, I haven't had like this strong of like women behind the line, you know, driven, uh, experience. And honestly, like the, the project did take longer than we expected. And I think if we were trying to like, deliver to a studio on a certain timeline and schedule. Like, I think there would have been judgments made about our abilities or our, you know, our, you know, why are we taking so long? <laughs> you know, like, I think there would have, there could have been some pushback um, in that, but I think even from the early, early cuts, even though it's evolved a, a long way, like the fact that the core producerial team from the executive producers to the participants, to the writers, directors, producers, or women, like they recognized that there was something, there was something deeper to be uncovered. And like, they were willing to honor us with the time and the, like, I like to say that, like, you know, you've succeeded when you're allowed to make mistakes and fail in some ways, like when you're given that latitude and forgiveness to do that, to pursue something that could be better. Like we could have finished this a year ago. It would not have been this film. And so I do credit like having a female producer team and recognizing that and being patient and allowing like this story to truly emerge as it was intended, which we talk about a lot. Like I took the time that it needed, but in another kind of structure or another kind of like system, um, kind of like parallel, like what Connie went through herself right in the industry, like it could have easily been made into something that wasn't quite as powerful. I, I truly believe that. Yuri Chong is the director of the documentary, I Can't Keep Quiet. It's screening tonight at Meteor Guitar Gallery as part of the Bentonville Film Festival. We also heard from Connie Lim, who performs as Milk. Her song Quiet served as a genesis for the film. You can learn much more at ICan'tKeepQuiet.org and at BentonvilleFilm.org. Theater Squared presents Violet, the powerhouse Broadway musical from the Tony Award-winning composer of Fun Home. When Violet hops onto a Greyhound bus traveling across Arkansas towards a miracle in Tulsa, it turns into the journey of a lifetime. On stage through July 2nd, 777-7477 or theater2.org for tickets.
Northwest Arkansas Pride returns June 23rd through the 25th for its 19th annual Parade and Festival. Other weekend events include the third annual Trans March, Glitterville with drag superstar Diabetti, and the High Tea Pool Party at Mount Sequoia. Information at nwapride.org or NWA Equality's Facebook or Instagram. Patty Steele seemingly never rests. She plays solo shows and shows with any number of combinations of musicians. She emailed us earlier this month with her schedule and happened to write that she had a new song inspired by a recent tour west. So we invited her back, and she brought with her two members of the band, the Vine Brothers, Garrett Jones and Joe Credit, and I asked her about her schedule. Busy, busy girl. Right? Yes. Have you seen my schedule? I've seen your schedule. I've seen you. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it's great. I have no complaints in that, but other than I need a vacation soon. If you know when I could take a vacation, I would love to. Like I was going to say, unfortunately for you, we never ask you to come in to talk about your impending vacation. Yeah, we ask yeah. you to come in and talk about <laughs> your work. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just been trying to find time to write new songs um, and... You know, playing new shows, playing with new people as much as I can, just because I like to keep it fresh and do things that are different. I've, I've never followed the traditional way of playing music. <laughs> I'm going to ask about mm-hmm. the new folks that are here in the Anthony and Susan Hoy studio with you, but you collaborate with a lot of different people when you do look at your schedule. Yes. You're doing a duo, you're doing a solo, you're doing a band, and it seems like you're comfortable with a lot of different musicians. Yes, I I found early on uh, that was my best way of playing was to to collaborate. And even when I write songs, I collaborate most of those with people cuz I just prefer to be with people. I'm not a solo in that way. There are some things I do for myself, but for the most part I do enjoy collaborating. All right, let's talk about some of the shows and they're in different sort of uh, you know, configurations. What do you have on the immediate horizon? I'll be artist at large for Opal's uh, Soul Fest. Right. The there on Ozark the farm. Mountain Soul Fest. <laughs> Let me say it right. Yep, out at the farm. And then I'll be performing on the Saturday following that with Randall Shreve on his CD release party because I'm on the album. And then the week after that, it's uh, some other shows like Chucky Wags. We have a show. And then I think I have a solo show. And then I'll be playing with the, the gentlemen that are to my right. Uh, we're doing a big show at George's, my first headlining show at George's Majestic in Fayetteville. And uh, I'm going to have Dance Monkey Dance open, the Vine Brothers, and then my Patty Still Full Band. So It's going to be a heck of a show. It's going to be, are you going to come? What's the date again? Sunday, June 25th. I am here. You should. If you are in town. That's Pride Weekend. Is, oh, that'll be the yes, day after Pride. Yes, yeah. yes. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for. We get a lot of, all of our friends to come and support and um, support local regional bands. You know, the Vine Brothers haven't been playing too much because they have a member that lives far away. Right. And um, I'm really excited that we get to provide a space for them to, to come back together and join join us for this amazing show that I'm looking forward to so much. All right. We've. We've alluded to the gentleman to your right. Mm-hmm. Who's with you today? So I have the wonderful and charming Garrett Jones. <laughs> also the same for Joe. <laughs> I was like <laughs> from the Vine Brothers. They're um, they've been uh, supporters of mine, collaborators. You know, for years I remember Garrett first asking me to come join them on their last record. Um, to record a song and so Matt Beach and I both were on that album and they when they did the release wasn't that at the Crystal Bridges 
That's when you did yeah, your release. Yeah, we were we were on Crystal we were at Crystal Bridges and uh, that yeah that was that was a really a really fun show. Yeah, so yeah. they had a full band, not just them, but they had yeah. provided drums and backup singers. It was just a really great production. So um, I was really excited when they said that they were playing more shows again because they're probably one of my favorite local bands. So. And Joe, you and Garrett, you like collaboration as well. Oh yeah, yeah. We we play with everybody. <laughs> that's yeah. what I that's what I like is they're like I am, you know. It's yeah. it's rare to find people who do collaborate quite like we do. So it, it's 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 much more fun to to get a uh, to get a uh, a group of people together because you can you can really get your creative juices together flowing when you're when you're bouncing some ideas off of each other. I feel like. Uh, uh, most of the best music that 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 uh, that we've created has always been in collaboration with with our with with ourselves and with just uh, with with other people. Um, especially on our uh, when we do our recordings, we uh, we we bring in so many people. Garrett, how many were on the last one? <laughs> Thirty-five. Thirty-five. Uh, Thirty-five. Thirty-five uh, Arkansas musicians were on our last album, and uh, I think like twenty-eight of them were on one song. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. It was a parody of a jam band song. Uh, so we so we I get we gave everybody a little a piece of it. <laughs> There's like two mandolins, five guitars, two keyboards, a horn section. It's nuts. <laughs> That's the way I roll too. <laughs> well when you emailed me and mm-hmm. said Hey, I've got this new song. Tell me a little before we hear it. Tell me about this new song. So uh, last summer, I took a trip, my very first little tour away from the four states. Um, I went to Wyoming with uh, Jenna Ray and Martin Farrell. They're local musicians in Lawrence, Kansas. And I've performed with them several times in different things. And, and Jenna now actually is we formed an all female band but anyway so they said we're taking this trip and we'd love for you to join us and I was like oh my gosh yes please so this the song was written about all the things that happen when you go on a trip you know such as that because it was a distance trip and a lot of driving to get there quickly you know and so we had to do like Martin had to drive overnight and the next day on the first day the air conditioner went out. Mm. So then it was like sweating bullets the whole time. And they brought their dog, which he kept trying to sit in my lap. And when you're hot and a you've got a poodle trying to sit on your lap, it's a little little hotter, you know. Uh, then we tried to do some video recordings for them while we were out there and for me as well. And the mosquitoes were thick, like you were eating them when you were just standing there. It was that bad. So yeah, in it was Wy- a in bit, Wyoming. Well, in Colorado, because okay. it was a little bit of both. But yeah, it was especially in the mountains where we mm. stopped. We stopped at like Sugar, I think it's called Sugar Mountain mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Wyoming, and then we'd also stopped at Split Rock, which I did a music video at, and um, we stopped at a couple other like scenic places that were really pretty. It's almost like when you look at the videos, you think it's not real because it's that picturesque. But um, it was a wonderful experience, even though we had all these things happen. But um, but this song is all about all the things that happened. All right. What's the title? Living on the Road. Can we hear it? Absolutely. All right. One, two, three, four. Driving through the mountains, dust trailing behind. You go 
goes on forever, but we ain't got the time. Climbing over the mountains, swimming around the rise. Music playing in my head, but I ain't got the time. Arkansas to Kansas, find the Saratoga. Hot coffee on a hotter day, sleeping in a tent. Crying like a hawk through the blue skies and green trees. Sleepy two-lane highways as far as one can see. Living on the road, sleeping far from home. Blazing unknown trails for hours. We don't care about the time. We just nickels making nines. Life is sweet among the wildflowers. arm has a tan drinking tons of water sweat dripping down my chin it couldn't be much hotter the ac is out again soaking in the hot springs cold showers and warm winds kisses from roy dog fun that never ends picnics with mosquitoes lake nights and lake swims fading western sunsets with my wonderful friends from home, blazing unknown trails for hours. We don't care about the time, we just nickels making dimes. Life is sweet among the wildflowers. Patty Steele, Garrett Jones, Joe Credit in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio last week. Patty Steele is the artist at large for the Ozark Mountain Soul Festival in Eureka Springs this weekend. She's going to be with Randall Shreve and the DeVilles Saturday night for their CD release show. And then Sunday, June 25th, the full band featuring the Vine Brothers and Dance Monkey Dance at George's Majestic Lounge. The Fayetteville Farmer's Market celebrates its 50th anniversary Saturday, June 17th on the square at the Fayetteville Town Center Plaza. The event includes a 10 a.m. cooking demonstration and 11 a.m. celebration including market history, photos, and treats. More information at FayettevilleFarmersMarket.org. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art presents Diego Rivera's America, the first major exhibition focused solely on the Mexican artist in over 20 years. It features his works, digital projections of his murals, and three major paintings by Frida Kahlo. On view now through July 31st. Tickets at crystalbridges.org. It's Friday, and it's time to talk with Becca Martin-Brown, who is the features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Final Friday of spring, Becca. 
Yeah, summer. Summer comes uh, in the middle of next How week. How is that possible? Well, yeah. so. it is 2023. It is the last weekend of spring. I bet there are options. And there's cool stuff happening. All right. This one you really need to go see. There's a show at Arkansas Public Theater. It's called Sylvia. Mm-hmm. And it's about a man and his dog. Oh, I'm interested now. It's an A.R. Gurney comedy, which means it's a little it's a little twisted because it's A.R. Gurney. But the premise is that this guy who's stuck in a job he hates, he doesn't feel connected to the world. I'm not sure how great things are with his wife. And he finds a stray dog and brings it home. Mm-hmm. And he and the dog really bond, much to the distress of the kind of cranky wife. Is there a real dog on stage? No, there's an actress who plays the dog. Okay. Her name is Lily Jo Ayers, and she is adorable. <laughs> and she acts out all the things that your dog does. There's one of the photos where she's looking at Michael Weir, who plays the lead, with that look your dog gets on its face when you come home or when you have a treat for it. Uh-huh. The show is tonight and tomorrow night at 8 o'clock at Arkansas Public Theater. There is no Sunday matinee this week because Father's Sunday Day. is Father's Day. Then 8 o'clock, the 22nd through the 24th, and a 2 p.m. matinee on the 25th. If you have not yet seen, have you seen Violet at Theater Squared yet? No, I I have this um, habit of going, waiting till the last weekend, which then if you get sick or you have to go out of town is a problem. But no, I have not seen it yet. I have tickets for the last Friday. And which I think. helps me not at all when we need to talk about it. <sighs> it's based on a Southern Gothic short story called The Ugliest Pilgrim. Mm hmm. And it's a musical set in 1964 that follows a young woman who meets two soldiers on a bus while she's trying to find her way to happiness and away from her not wacky, but really not very pleasant family. And everybody who has seen the early performances of it says it is possibly the best thing Theater Squared has ever done. I talked with two of the actors uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and really am excited to see this. So it's on stage 7.30, Tuesday through Saturday, with 2 p.m. matinees on Saturday and Sunday through July 2nd. So that's closer than you think. And they do have shows on Father's Day if you need a Father's Day present. And then there's something happening Sunday that's really cute. Cooper Chapel in Bella Vista. Right. Is turning 35 years old. They're going to have a birthday party? Well, they're going to have an afternoon of wedding vow renewals for anybody who was ever married there. I was not married there, but I have been a participant. I read, you know, I was a reader at a wedding there several years ago. They have no idea how many people have been married there. Hmm. Is it going to be an assembly line or is it like, you know, the Moonies used to do and you're all going to do it together? They're going to do a group vow okay. renewal, but they're doing three of them. One at one thirty, one at 2, and one at 2.30. Oh, but it gets better because then you can go down the hill to the Bella Vista Historical Museum, and they're going to have a reception for you and serve you cake. And if you don't know what the Cooper Chapel is, it's an East A. Jones building, a smaller, more delicate version of Thorn Crown. 
in mm-hmm. Eureka Springs. And it's just beautiful. And if you want to participate, you can call 855-6598 and talk to the nice lady who runs the Cooper Chapel. Her name is Cindy Adams. Well, that ought to hold you for a minute. It it well, let's let's see if it holds us for seven days because that's when we'll be back together <laughs> on the first Friday of summer. Becca Martin Brown is the features editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Thank you, Becca. Thank you, Kyle. This weekend on the Vinyl Hour, we talk about music that moves you. Picking songs that uh, follow that thread of being in the same um, spiritual camp. That's this Saturday at 5 on KUAF. Big white cloud looking right down me. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Pettigrew. Contributors to this Friday edition of Ozarks at Large included Daniel Carruth, Michael Tilley, Becca Martin-Brown, and Jacqueline Froelich provided the information and sound about the possible Mount Sequoia rezoning. Today's show was put together in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. Our theme is titled The First Hurrah. It's written and performed by Daryl Sean. You can find out more about Daryl's music, including his most recent solo CD, still here, wherever you find out more about music online. Reminder, if you ever miss our show, we've got a podcast. It's free. Just go to your preferred podcast distributor, sign up to subscribe, or you can go to KUAF.com or you can go to OzarksAtLarge.com. I'll be with you Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large on Father's Day, and we'll have a brand new week of daily shows beginning Monday at noon and 7 p.m. Don't forget, you can always support your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF, and Ozarks at Large safely and securely in the amount of your choosing by going to supportkuaf.com. Have a safe and wonderful weekend. I'm Kyle Callums.